0: Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel, and I am, as always, thrilled to be here talking with Mickey Connolly, Chairman and Founder of Conversant. Hi, Mickey. Hello, Gretchen. I am thrilled as well. So I guess we're both in the right place. There you go. So, Mickey, many of the global leaders that we're in conversation with right now are facing a challenge related to rapidly reducing costs. And yet, how do I do this in a way that preserves the essence of who we are as an organization? So, today we're going to be talking about a specific case study. Um, where this was done successfully in the aviation industry. Could you give us a little bit of background on the situation?
1: Yes, this was uh, just a couple of years ago. And a chief operating officer who we know got in touch and asked us to develop a plan for a return to full productivity following what he considered to be an impending and inevitable strike. Uh, They'd had what they thought was complete breakdown in union negotiations, everybody announced them failed. And a strike a decade earlier in the history of the company had resulted in years of low productivity afterwards. So he wanted a plan for how do we accelerate the trip back to full productivity. Well, we asked quite a few questions about what led to the current situation and who'd been involved and how did people explain that the negotiations were a failure. And after we learned a few things, we asked a question. And the question was, before we settle for post-strike recovery tactics, how about if we just didn't have a strike at all? Great idea. Yeah, and it was one that the people, really well-intended, smart, experienced people, had just given up on that question. And uh, he actually laughed and said that, his starting place was disbelief, but we'd known each other for quite a while and done some interesting things together. So he said he wanted to know why did we think that was even possible? And we said, just from our early understanding, his answers to the questions, we thought it was at least worth an opportunity to develop a no strike strategy. And would he give us a few days to do that? And he said, sure. And, you know, we figured out who all the right people were who had been involved and who to talk to and, Um, one of the people obviously we came back to was him. And we asked him a question, and this is the thing that you care about, Gretchen, about how do organizations deal with difficulty without losing their heart and soul. And we asked him what had him feel that the sacrifices that were being asked of his colleagues, of the employees of the company were appropriate. And he said, we need to face reality together there's some really hard circumstances that we're in. And every time we've ever faced them together in the past, we've been successful. Now it feels like we're in warring tribes. And I don't see how we get through this if we don't all face it together. So we asked him if he's willing to stand in that value-rich statement about we face reality together to develop a path forward. And he said, absolutely. So that really became the the guiding light about how we proceeded.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting how sometimes we get into a paradigm about um, how much information we can share or, you know, being transparent or um, I don't know. I mean, what, what had him not faced that question before? Well, I asked him,
1: what are the things that you know that everybody doesn't know that are the reason why you're so certain that we have to take some drastic steps? And he shared a few things that I can't say here because it would start to reveal confidential information. And as we got into it, he kept saying, you know, we're a publicly traded company. He said, if some of these things got out, it could damage the stock. And so we asked him, how much would a strike damage the stock? Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> he said, quite a bit. And I said, okay. And you're probably already modeling that since you'd given up on negotiations. And he said, that's true. I said, what if the damage to the stock price of it being public, what the threats are that you're facing competitively, was less than the damage of a strike and the years of threatened low productivity? Mm-hmm. And so he said, Okay. Let's talk. We don't think that they were really looking at is the the cost of candor was actually less than the cost of this continued war. Mm. So we yeah. find all the time that people who get stuck at diametrically opposed positions, even though they share the same situation, almost always don't have the same information. And if you right. put what each tribe knows feels thinks if you put it all together so everybody has all of it that maximizes your chance of seeing a path forward
0: mm-hmm. and this was related to if we you know if we don't dramatically reduce our costs we're not going to remain competitive in the market and we're we're going to you know we're, we're we will fail as an organization and so how did they go about bringing the tribes together what, what so you, So you've kind of had this "Aha moment. What do you do? Well,
1: you know, we really went deep on that question about what do you know that not everybody knows? And I had him and some people who work with him to help us get a group of 40 people together who represented all the different aspects of the company. Now, even though there's many thousands of employees in here, we find you can get 40 or 50 people that can represent 50,000 if you get the right people. Mm -hmm. And together, those people answered some questions. And so this was several days of hard work together because there had to be a lot of fact-finding associated with the questions. And the questions were these. The first one, what about this company is great and needs to endure? So even though these are people from different sides of the fight, there were some things they all thought was great (laughs) about the company historically, and they wanted to endure. So we really captured all of their answers to that first. The second was, what circumstances demand our attention if we are to endure? And that's where they shared a lot of the facts that not everybody had, that uh, there were competitors who'd come into a marketplace they had dominated for many years who were offering similar kinds of products and services at 30% less. Mm. And they were facing renewals on contracts that were all in jeopardy. That could take them from the best year in the history of the company to threat to existence. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that wasn't public. And so they shared all that. and, uh, And then everybody joined in on what circumstances they think demand our attention. That was just... Some of it, but they all got to weigh in, all 40 people. What are the circumstances that are on our mind? What are the facts that we would need to take into account? Then the third question is what purpose will be our guide? Mm. And that one took half a day out of the three days. Mm. And what they actually got to was we will restore our industry leadership by sharing both opportunity and risk. Mm. So that's what they could all agree on. If we share the upside and the downside, then that's fair. And the fourth question after what purpose will guide us is what priorities fit the purpose. So then they had to look at where are the places that we could get more efficient? Where are the places that take costs out of the system? Uh, yeah, it really was hard work to start identifying what the five core areas were that they must have a greater efficiency and effectiveness, or else they were not gonna meet that 30% cost gap. And then they then looked at whose contributions are mission critical was the fifth question. Like who around here is brilliant at what that we need in order to do this? The sixth one was how will we stay connected and agile as we figure out how to meet this challenge? So that's where they came up with their methods and routines of staying together. And the seventh question was, what's our picture of success? What's a picture three to five years from now that all of us would be happy with? So these 40 people spent a lot of research time ahead of time and then three days together answering those questions. And it made a huge difference because these are people that walked into the room, some of them thinking they hated each other, and walked Mm -hmm. out with a, a common grasp of those seven questions. And it was extraordinary to see what happened to them going from separate, critical and threatened to actually eager to go share what they discovered with the much larger community.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of work in three days. How did we uh, create preparedness uh, for the participants ahead of time? You mentioned research, but but was there anything done to kind of get them in the right mindset walking into the room or when they did walk into the room? Well, we shared those seven questions ahead of time, Mm
1: -hmm. and uh, and then also the work that was done to identify the 40, I think people really respected uh, because they Mm -hmm. got uh, some of the union leaders and they got other people involved saying, who are the people that we would trust to represent different parts of the organization? And I think that right away had people feel differently that this was an unusual kind of meeting. But having the seven questions ahead of time, we asked people, please reflect on those for yourself and let us know what information is where that helps answer those questions. And so we got all kinds of input about who we needed to talk to and what data existed and who had control of it and who did we have to get permission from to share it with everybody. You know, So there was a lot of pre-work. P- people just came in, I think, eager to find out what their shared answers to those questions were. So it it made a mood that I think was... Uh, interested.
0: Yeah, it sounds like not only bringing the community of people together, but people identifying with the contribution that they were going to make to the thinking, a very serious thinking about the viability of this organization.
1: Yeah, when they had those seven questions answered, everybody had all of their thoughts in there and they could really feel how they were a part of this. And what happened after that is they actually created a roadshow that featured small groups who were part of that 40-person brain trust. And so a handful Mm. of them went to every site that was affected by the potential strike. And they shared the questions in large groups. They shared their initial answers. They got people in the room, just good old-fashioned post-it note exercises to come up and put up what were their answers to those seven questions. And then they had people in the room tell stories that explained why those Answers were their answers. So, what about this company is valuable and needs to endure? Okay, what's a story from your career here that explains why you feel that way? Uh, what challenges mm-hmm. are important? Well, what's a, something you've lived through that explains why you say that's important? And just turning all of this into storytelling was huge. It was extraordinary. People got very interested in each other's stories. They understood the positions people had in a different way because of that. And then from everything that was learned from all the site visits, we refreshed the strategic plan, re-engaged with the people who were involved in the failed negotiations, shared all the input from the various sites, and evolved a new contract offer. So that's what happened, and what resulted was The inevitable strike actually did not occur. The majority voted to approve the new contract. Uh, The contract did evolve so that there was this sense of we're sharing an opportunity and risk, but the risk comes first in order to get to the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And employee engagement scores went up on all
0: the sites who participated in this. Wow. Sounds like an incredibly powerful thing that happened. I can't think of the right word, but just really incredible. The pow- the word powerful just um, is resonating in my mind. So for those leaders out there that are listening to this podcast, what are the lessons for today? Like what what were the key learnings and how would we apply that in today's business environment? Well,
1: some of them we've mentioned, and and I'll still go back to it. The first one is that often impasse is based on a lack of shared information. Uh, that when we have drastically different points of view, we're usually reacting to different purposes, worries, and facts. So uh, people, when they start to get into an impasse, they start mistrusting each other with information. And we say it's exactly the wrong instinct. You got to go the other direction. You open, not close when you get to an impasse. Uh, the second one we also mentioned is the potential damage of Sharing threats to a company is less than the damage of basing our judgment on disconnection and incomplete information. Another one is that get the system and the conversation. So, these 40 people representing a very large company were really very different parts of the company. It wasn't some top down set of a handful of executives deciding what was good for a many thousand person population. And it makes you smarter because you have the system in the conversation. You have all the different elements so that the troubleshooting is more thorough of any ideas that you have. And then finally, give people a chance to tell the stories that explain their positions. Mm. Because when they do that, it gives heart to the conversation. People get interested in one another. It actually stimulates creativity. And it creates connections that are more powerful to use the word that you use than our disagreements. Mm-hmm. So
0: those are some of the things that I think are lessons that are worth holding on to. That's great. So as we wrap up the conversation about this case study, why, what made it possible for these leaders to embark on this journey that led to this powerful existence and the results that they achieved? Boy,
1: that is a huge question for me. I think that one of the things we find
0: when people
1: produce unprecedented results is the leaders stop proving that you can't.
0: Because
1: mm. often people get so trapped in what they've given up on that they're actually expending their energies on proving why things won't work. So here you had people who are willing to take a breath, let go and re-engage hey, maybe something's possible that we overlooked. There wasn't a shred of ego or defensiveness in it. They were more interested in doing something valuable than proving that what they'd done already was all there was to
0: be done. I think that's an incredible lesson, Mickey. As always, thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom. I think this is a really relevant case study for today's um, business environment. And um, again, thank you for your time. You are very welcome. It's a pleasure. I love what you get interested in. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.